It's lights out and away we go. Welcome to the Pit Straight. I am Jack Swansea for Front Stretch, and I'd like to thank you all for listening to this podcast. Uh, we have a great time making it every week. We hope you have almost as fun listening. This Sunday was the Hungarian Grand Prix, which saw, say it with me, Max Verstappen take victory, his seventh Grand Prix win in a row, um, and Red Bull Racing made history, setting the record at 12 consecutive race wins uh, dating back to Abu Dhabi of last year. But of course, that's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, instead, joining me to talk about the two teammates that crashed into each other on the first lap of the race is front stretch contributor Jeffrey Boswell. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I'm glad to be here. Um, as you were saying before, pretty repetitive when you start talking about Red Bull and Formula One. Fitting that we're talking about Alpine today after what happened. Not that that accident was their fault, but good talking point. Yeah, and definitely important to state that, yeah, it was not their fault. Uh, th those two drivers, Joe Guan Yu crashed into Daniel Ricciardo, who sent the two Alpines into each other. Jeffrey, last time you came on the show, we discussed the past and future of Alpha Tauri. Um, and this week, we're just sort of moving right on down in alphabetical order. Because this weekend was the two-year anniversary of Alpine F1 team's lone victory in the sport, um, which came at the hands of young Frenchman Esteban Ocon in the 2021 edition of this very Grand Prix. At the start of this year, after two years with Alonso in the car, Alpine debuted an all-French driver lineup, bringing Pierre Gasly into the fold. And uh, many at the time, myself included, thought that the battle between these two hungry, aggressive, young French teammates was going to be one to watch. Instead, it kind of hasn't been uh, because Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren, to say nothing of Red Bull, have really squeezed the French team out of the upper midfield. So I guess the question I'd like to start with is where did Alpine's plans go wrong? For me, I think... Uh... I think continuity is pretty important in F1 and, and racing in general and pretty much any sport in general. And with what happened after the 2022 season when Alonzo left for Aston Martin, uh, that, of course, is not good for the team. You're losing a, a driver who's a two-time world champion and probably considered one of the best drivers in the world still at his age, over 40. Um you know, not only not only are you losing a two-time world champion there, but I, I think there were reasons that Alonzo chose to go to Aston Martin, and, and I think the main one was he probably didn't have comp as much confidence in Alpine as he did in Aston Martin. Not that not that he was Alpine was terrible. I think he did fairly well for for that car, but I think he was looking for more and. Uh, you know, of course, on top of that, there was the Oscar Piastri fiasco when they announced him as Alonzo's replacement. And as we all know, Piastri said no dice to that, and he didn't even have a contract with Alpine, and he was eventually went off to McLaren. Um, so in, in both of those situations, if you're an employee of Alpine, you might be questioning your leadership at the top to let things like that happening happen um you know you let a two-time world champion walk to another team um, it probably wasn't about money uh, i think it was just about alonzo's confidence and also as an incoming driver in this case gasly 
you have to be wondering if you're putting yourself in in a good situation after seeing all of that happen. And, and really, none of that breeds confidence in the team. So I think it's kind of a trickle-down effect. As I said before, continuity is important. That's, that is not the an example of continuity. Yeah, you talk about continuity. Uh, what about uh, a couple of days before the, the Grand Prix this weekend, the CEO of Alpine, both the car brand and the racing team, Laurent Rossi, uh, he got fired. Um, well, I say got fired. He got moved somewhere else within the wider, wider Renault company structure um, and replaced with, with immediate effect by Philippe Kreef. Um, who's been in in Formula One in very for various teams in various forms for quite a while, um, which which sort of leaves Otmar Safnauer, uh, the the longest tenured authority figure in the in the program, and he has only been there for uh, a couple of years. Uh, he was at uh, Force India and Racing Point and Aston Martin all before that. Um, so there's there is yeah a lot of turnover. It's not there's no stability. There's no continuity. Uh, right. It's I was talking to my brother about it earlier, and he said he said that Alpine is just the French Ferrari. And I think in terms of uh, both sort of a executive level difficulty, shall we say? But uh, you right. mentioned the drivers. I, th I think we can get back into that sort of like industry stuff a little bit later um let's talk about alpine f1's drivers Ocon and gasly obviously both grand prix winners both young hungry looking to move up towards the pointy end of the grid um and Ocon in particular is known to not have the best relationship with his teammates for two drivers whose clear goal has to be to beat each other uh during their time as teammates how would you evaluate their performances so far this year uh, do you think one of them has the edge in this battle? I think it's very close. I mean, really very, very close. I mean, if you look at the standings on points alone, Ocon is up 31 to 16, although that that's a 15-point advantage, and that's those 15 points are where he finished third in, at Monaco. And I, I think uh, a safety car and some rain may have had something to do with him finishing third. Uh, but I think they're pretty even. I, I kind of give I kind of give Ocon a slight Ocon a slight edge, um, and I think he would be the first to leave the team. I think I think he has a a better chance of of going to uh, uh, one of the higher tier teams uh, eventually. Uh, Gasly kind of had his chance with uh, Red Bull in 2019. Of course, your 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 teammate his teammate at that time was Max Verstappen. So of course you're going to be if you're Max's teammate, you're probably going to not look great. Um, and that's what happened. He got demoted to Toro Rosso. Um, Ocon, Ocon, on the other hand, I th he almost had a seat uh, with uh, next to Hamilton at Mercedes in 2020, but Mercedes, that's when Mercedes decided to stay with Botas. I mean, sure, he didn't get, this, get that seat, but I think it's a pretty big deal to even be considered for a seat at Mercedes. And I think if you look at uh, Ocon's previous years with Alpine uh, in 2021, as you said, before he won, he won in Hungary, and that was also kind of a fluky win. I think the rain had something to do with that. But on the season, he scored 74 points. Alonso had 81. In 2022, he outscored Alonso 92 to 81. So for me, I think it's uh, 
a question of potential, and I think Ocon's potential outweighs that of Pierre Gasly. Uh, if you can hang with Fernando Alonso for two years and basically the same car, I think that looks pretty good for your resume. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked uh, Alonso out-qualifying Stoffel Van Dorn for two years straight uh, and then coming back in and, you know, Ocon able to hang with him. He got, we got to see a little bit of that old Alonso uh, at the start of the year. And I think that really does put Ocon's performance in the Alpine uh, in context. And then maybe also Gasly able to hang with Ocon a little bit. Uh, although I, I agree with you, Ocon is sort of na narrowly up. Um, if you look at average qualifying position and, and points scored, I think maybe Ocon's a little bit uh, higher highs and lower lows, although the the teams had some pretty low lows on their own with uh, three double DNFs, including the last two races in a row. Uh, yeah. Again, not really, the, not really the fault of the drivers there, but it's it's just, I think, and 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 one thing, and this is sort of a, a theory that I want to share with you to sort of close out our episode. There's a, it's sort of a lot of misfortune happening at Alpine, um, but I think you can trace a lot of it back to one man, uh, and maybe not the man you're expecting, because I think singularly the point at which the fortunes of the team team endstone changed was when former ceo of renault and nissan carlos gone had to flee had to flee japan hidden in an instrument case back in 2018 um and so this is this is a theory that i'm gonna share with you jeffrey and and our listeners so if you if you'll remember yeah, when Sebastian Vettel was winning all those championships with Red Bull, his car had a Renault engine and was sponsored by Infinity. Uh, so, which was because uh, all throughout the, the first 18 years of, of this century, Carlos Ghosn, the French Lebanese uh, business executive, masterminded an alliance between Renault and Nissan. And it was it was kind of this one man's vision for this auto company that when you add in all of the different brands, including Alpine, but also like Dacia and Lada and primarily cars not sold in the United States. Uh, in 2017, they became the largest automaker in the world by volume. One year later, Carlos Ghosn, the mastermind behind the whole company, uh, was arrested and then had to flee and is now currently uh, hiding out in his native Lebanon. Uh, so the legal proceedings there are still ongoing. Uh, I am not, uh, the pit straight will not comment definitively on either his guilt or innocence. Uh, but ever since Carlos Ghosn was fired and then arrested, uh, the full like Renault-Nissan alliance has been kind of in panic mode. And I think if you look at the what was then the Renault team uh, coming back into the sport in 2016, finishing fourth in the standings in 2017, and then sort of tapering out around that fourth to sixth place range ever since. I, I think you can kind of excuse it considering the sort of chaos of the parent company, but now it's been, it's been quite a few years. Uh, since then, their 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 series of five year plans have sort of all all come up short, and so I guess the the question I want to leave you with, Jeffrey, is 
what's next for them? How, is there anything left that uh, Renault and Alpine can do or should be doing differently to finally move up the grid that last little bit? I think it's all about commitment. And you kind of have to ask yourself now, is, is Renault fully committed to winning? I um, mean, you know, if you just look back in history, they, they've provided some of the engines for some of the greatest champions in Formula One. Um, you know, most, I guess most recently, Vettel winning four, four in a row with Red Bull. Uh, but as I said before, uh, Commit, it's all about commitment, and when that commitment is lacking, it, it kind of shows. If you go, if you look at 2010, when uh, Renault so, sold a majority of its of its stake in the team, I think they kept 25 percent. The drivers they chose that year were Robert Kubica and Vitaly Petrov. Um, that doesn't sound like you're really committed to winning. If those are your drivers, nothing against those guys, but they're not going to win you. They're certainly not going to win you a championship. They might even not even score you points. Now, if you go to 2021 when Renault rebranded to Alpine, they they had Alonso. I think if you're hiring a former world champ world champion, and we talked about this before, then that that shows the commitment. Um, of course, you have to have that world champion agree to drive for you, which Alonso did. But then he said, "No thanks, going somewhere else." So. I, at this point, I don't think they're fully committed. You know, um, I know Alpine, Alpine is a luxury car brand, and it seems like Alpine's in this just to, as a marketing, not, I don't want to say scheme, but just to market their um, luxury cars. There's an interesting question, I guess, to be asked, and maybe that's another another episode, is how, how would that commit, what would that commitment look like? Because I, I agree with you that... Uh, I'm not even looking back as so far as 2010, but like the every every team is kind of talking about how they're they're really committed, they're really looking up the going up the order, and with teams like Alpine, maybe Alfa Romeo, Haas, certainly Williams. I mean, at a certain point, it is all it it, it at least from the outside looks like it's all just talk. Right. Um, and usually, I mean, the the old answer would be just spend more money, but in the cost cap era. I mean, what what is a what does more commitment look like if not more money? To to me, what it comes back to is getting the right people at the helm of the ship. And who knows if uh, Philippe Creef is the answer? I guess the first step would be trying to find the right person at the top, and the second point would be committing to them. Um, and if you have a Formula One team that maybe doesn't have the right leadership then you're already behind because Red Bull has Horner and Mercedes has Wolf and uh, McLaren has Zach Brown. I think we're, you're seeing the sort of these who are currently the top three teams having built around this stable leadership. And if Alpine hasn't had that, and at least even if, uh, even if this, this hire of, Creef is the right move for them. We're not going to start to see the effects of that for another, I don't know, year. It's may, maybe, maybe Jeffrey, all, all we'll have to do is have you back on the pit straight to evaluate Alpine's progress over the next, uh, next several months. That is unfortunately all the time we have. Uh, so Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming back on the show. No, thanks for having me as always.
look forward to it again. Haven't scared you off yet? Not yet. I haven't scared you off from uh, asking me to be on it yet, have I? No, not at all. Not at all. We're always, always happy to have you. And uh, next week, it won't be me having anybody uh, because Alex Gintz will be taking the wheel. He, he will be the steady hand at the helm of the well-oiled machine that is the Pit Straight podcast. Um, so my my challenge to you, Jeffrey, and to our listeners is please make sure Alex doesn't only talk about IndyCar next week. Uh, there will be a big story, I guarantee it, coming out of the Belgian Grand Prix. Please give Front Stretch a follow on the app, soon to be formerly known as Twitter. You can find Front Stretch at Front Stretch and Front Stretch Open Wheel Coverage at FS Open Wheel. That's letter F, letter S, and the words Open Wheel. Alex, I'm watching you. Goodbye.